Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's episode 177 of the Audible Farm Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Couchtown Coffee. It's my favorite coffee. I drink it every morning. I need to make a new order because I'm running low. If you want to make an order, go to CouchtownCoffee.com, find a coffee you like, make an order, and when you do, let them know Audible Farm sent you, and they will give you 20% off. Why? Because Couchtown Coffee is that awesome. Thanks, Couchtown. This week, I'm sitting down with Andy Shelley. He's the drummer for Saucy Jack. Y'all know and love Saucy Jack. Everyone's seen Saucy Jack, right? I'm pretty sure everyone's seen Saucy Jack. We found out in this episode that I've seen Saucy Jack. That's right. Even I saw Saucy Jack um, maybe about 10 years ago uh, when they opened up for Ario Speedwagon. They've opened up for a lot of cool bands, and Andy's been playing drums for a long time at a high level with uh, those guys, and he's and he's got some new projects he's working on with some other people. We talk about all that in this episode. We talk about how he got started playing drums. We talk about his obsession with Neil Pert from Rush, a very good obsession for a drummer to have. Uh, yes, most definitely. We talk about his his interest in running lights and and doing keyboard parts with like triggers and and all sorts of you know incorporating electronic drums with acoustic drums and and our thoughts on those types of topics. We talk about all sorts of good stuff in this episode. I love it. It's a good one. You'll find out right away that this was the first time Andy and I had ever met face-to-face, and I had a great time sitting down talking with him. So I hope you guys have a good time sitting down listening to our conversation. This is episode number 177 with Andy Shelley, the drummer for Saucy Jack, and now the drummer for the Ronley King Blues Band and Kirkhart. It's the Audible Farm Podcast. Your host, Peter Stockdale. Today I'm sitting down with Andy Shelley. Andy, this is going to be a fun one because you and I, this is the first time we've met. Like it is like five minutes ago, <laughs> and I, I gotta say I was kind of uh, bummed at myself for not going to the Ronald King deal. At the uh, boardroom. Oh, yeah, the jam. I think you went, right? Yep. Yeah. I'm like, God, I could have met him there, you know, maybe jammed a little bit. But Yeah, well, you know, next time. Yeah. They're going to do them again, so that's, that's pretty cool. Goes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's like uh, the one weird thing, like the bridge we have in common is Ron Lee King. Like, I know Ron Lee, and Ron Lee, you're in a band with him now, Ron yeah. Lee King Blues Band. Yeah. And so I went and saw the Ron Lee show and saw you drumming, and that was like, I'm pretty sure that was the first time I saw you because I don't think I've ever seen Saucy Jack live. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, you had mentioned that. What's wrong with you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no. So yeah, I mean, uh, let's start at the very beginning. You, you told me before the podcast that you started drumming in fourth grade. What got you into drumming in fourth grade? You know, it's a pretty boring story. All right. It's just the uh, grade school. Okay, you're in fourth grade, you know, and you want to join band and, you know, play an instrument. So uh, absolutely, you know, and I kind of wanted to, to do the drums, and I think the uh, Mary Heinbrook uh, was the band instructor there at Duncombe, and she kind of talked me out of it. It's like, oh, everyone wants to do the drums. Why don't you, uh, you know, play the trumpet or, or do something? Well, you know, the, it, first of all, they came to the classroom and you did your tryouts, you know. Yeah. Think- and you tried different things, and apparently I was the best at the flute. Um, <laughs> of yeah. course. Okay, well, anyway, so I did the trumpet, and... Uh, Two weeks of that, I'm like, it's just not, not happened. Not me. Mm-hmm. I want to play the drums. So we took that back to Raymond's and switched it out, and she was fine. And so, ever since then, yeah, I've been, just been playing. 
So how long was it from fourth grade until you sat behind like a drum kit, like a full drum kit? Right. Fourth grade, I guess middle school. And things have switched so much. So what, maybe seventh grade? Yeah, probably jazz band somewhere yeah. there. Yeah. And I remember, you know, it's like, okay, I want to get a drum kit, you know. So you look through the paper, which is archaic to most people now. You yeah. Know? Yep. Wanted ads. We found a used kit down in Des Moines, drove down, got it, 700 bucks. It was like a, I don't even know what brand it was, Sonar five-piece. And the guy had taken an old uh, marching drum snare, converted it into a tom. Oh, nice. Added another tom here. So it was like four rack toms on the floor. And cymbals were, some of them were cracked, you know. But yeah. Fuck, I was excited. Oh, no. I mean, yeah. it was like, let's get down. So started there. And, uh, yeah, I was in jazz band in middle school and kind of worked it from there. I kind of wished I would have done some drums or something because drum, like drummers have always been the thing that's most elusive to me because you guys have the ability to like do so much stuff at once. And I get it. Like every, you know, you're playing guitar, you could sing and play guitar and maybe hit some pedals or whatever and stuff. But drummers are just on a different level, you know? Well, yeah, I don't know. It's, I don't, I don't know what it is that I love about it, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess I just love the, uh, the drive behind it and the, the drums and the beat and I don't know, it was just me. Like I said, trumpet just wasn't my deal. It's like I always wanted a drum and it's yeah. just what it was. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I guess say. I guess you're lucky to have found something you wanted to do and then actually went out and did it because I'm sure there's so many people that are Stuck like, with I it. wanted to play the drums and I had to play the clarinet. You know, I'm sure there's those people out there that didn't right. get, or they wanted to play the clarinet and somebody made them play the drums instead or something, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, it's like she said, it's like, well, everyone wants to play the drums, you know? It's like, well, all right, I'll try this. But it's like, this is just not working. So, so to the drums and that stuck. So. You were talking that Neil Pert was like it. one of your favorite drummers. Like, did you have... So, so what, well... Did you... Who was the person first? Like, was Neil Pert the first person you were like, this This is why I want a drum? Or like, No, okay, okay. Yeah, he, that was not, I don't, I don't know what it is. I think it was just, I, I no, I just wanted to drum. Mm-hmm. I hadn't even heard about Rush yet. Mm-hmm. I wasn't into drummers or anything at all. You know, it was just like band starting up. I was like, yeah, I want to play the drums. And so I did that, and it wasn't until, uh, I don't even know what year that was. What, what, what How old are you when you're in fourth grade? Uh, 12, uh, I was born 10. in 1970. Anyway, uh, Rush. So MTV just came out. Yep. I forget when the year that was. Uh, I believe. But my buddy across the alley had it, and I didn't. And uh, hmm. the, the video for uh, Big Money by Rush was out. Oh, nice. I, forget, I should know this stuff because I'm a Rush head. Uh, what year that was. But anyway, he's like, dude, you got to see this drummer's drum kit. It's 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 awesome, you know, and he's awesome. And so, uh, you know, the video came up, and uh, I watched it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, man, that's awesome. But it honestly really wasn't until, I think, high school in jazz band that uh, one of my, my other drummer buddies in the in the band, you know, there's usually one or two or three of us drumming, he, he, he was into Rush. It's like, okay, let's play Tom Sawyer, you know, or put this song and play to it. So that's the first time I'd ever heard Tom Sawyer. So then I uh, went out looking for their albums. Oh, nice. Didn't know a thing about Rush, but I found an album with Tom Sawyer on it. It was the exit stage left, their live album. That's cool. So that was packed full with a bunch of hits. Yep. And from then on, I was completely hooked on on Rush. And, of course, Neil Peart, you know, as a drummer just starting, he's an incredible drummer, um, incredible guy, incredible songwriter, musician, and his drum kit's huge. So it's like, how can that not lure you in? No kidding. And so, you know, I got hooked and uh, ever since and, and until... 
until recently, it was maybe five, ten years ago, That's which is too long, I finally was like, uh, you know, there's other drummers out there. And I started really, because I had never really looked, uh, you know, like the, oh, what, what is it called? The Modern Drummer, not that, but the, you know, the, the competitions, the, the festivals they have. Um, I can't, I'm having a brain fart right now. All I can think of is Nam. That's like the, the guitar yeah, one. Yeah, kind of. you know, there's these videos out. And so I finally watched one where they had all these drummers, you know, it's like a big weekend thing. I'm like, okay, that guy rocks. Okay, that that's sweet. Um, and you know, you you realize that okay, this guy's he's awesome, but he's not the end all. Yeah, the end all be all. Yeah, which some people would probably shoot me for saying that right now. <laughs> you know, I'm talking Rush fans, but yep. um, he's great. But it opened my eyes a little bit. So yeah, I mean, there could there probably an argument to say that Neil Peart is one of the best technical drummers of all time. Like he's I, not I, a I, he's not a pocket drummer. He's not a laid back kind of. No, he's not laid back. He is strict it, it's like it's crazy he's like just spot on i mean he, he tries to be in every way and uh there's a lot of people that argue that he's the best drummer in the world or ever and uh he's great but i don't know there's a lot of good drummers out there i i kind of find that hard to swallow but he's awesome don't get me wrong <laughs> i did he's, pull he's up definitely all right up there <laughs> i did pull up all the rush stuff here so those are I mean, you got 80s albums. Yeah, so Power your... Windows is what, whatever year that was is when I got hooked on 85. That. That's kind of when it started. Yeah, okay, so I was 15 years old. Nice. I was c- close to being born. So that's probably when I really started getting into the drums and finding my finding my way. Oh, God, that's a pun off Rush. That's a song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It is fun, though, to think that, like, because, I mean, it's subjective, yes, but it's also there's so many different, I would say, like flavors of drummers out there. Oh, absolutely. And that's something I'd never really thought too much until you go to a jam night and you realize, oh, everyone that's drummed here is completely different than the previous drummer. Right. And I think that was one of the biggest eye-opening things for me. Is it's like I heard some of these other drummers, like and I forget their names. This one guy was like, his style is so different than this, and it it what he's doing was pretty simple, but it was just the groove that he had in the feel and just, you know, in the pocket with this and that. It's just like, wow, that guy's awesome. And that's something totally different than mm-hmm. I've ever, you know, been listening to. Um, and what, you know, I guess what I've, I've gotten, not late, lately, I mean, my mind's open to everything, but I, I really, uh, you know, I got hooked on port. We went to a Rush concert years, years and years back. And one of the songs, um, you know, they played the intermission was a porcupine tree song. Mm-hmm. And my buddy with me was like, oh, yeah, it's Porcupine Tree. I'd never heard of them. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. So I, you know, I went out and got some other stuff and listened to it. And I, I loved it, you know. Fell in love with it. But their drummer is uh, Gavin Harrison, who is just, you know, incredible as well. Um, really syncopated, offbeat kind of type of, you know, feel to them. Just does some incredible stuff, which is a lot different than, you know, what I was used to. And mm-hmm. But I, I just loved it. So it was just another... Another flavor, you know, like you say, just a, something new. So it's great. So, so I've totally got, I've got, you know, been listening to them a lot. Yeah, I, I find my musical tastes change. Like I went through a huge rush phase, maybe twenty about twenty ten. I was like doing a lot of traveling and rush. Like the whole catalog was just what I listened oh, to yeah. all the time. So I've got it all. Yeah, it's it's some good stuff. Um, me and a bunch of my buddies, 
we used to like buy CDs and then burn each other copies of them oh, so yeah. we could all have like the entire catalog of stuff without having yep. to buy it all, you know. So all by yourself, yeah. Yep. No, I yeah, well, I was such a rush head, you know, as a collector, I'm, I'm going to get all those. And then I start collecting the LPs, you know, the uh, the records, yeah, LPs yep. and all that stuff. But there's yeah, there's so much more out there. Yeah. I mean, jeez. Yeah, it's right. stupid even saying that. <laughs> Come on. Oh, so how long was it before you started a band? Like with your so, now you're drumming. Well, okay, you, the, you the, found the, out who uh, Rush is. The first one was high school, and uh, they had a drummer, but he kind of got busy with stuff, some stuff. So I jumped in, and it was like a a, a pop pop rock band. Okay, uh, the guy loved. Uh, Simple Minds, uh, Duran Duran. Okay. Stuff All like right. that. <laughs> All right. So we played some of that, um, which was fun. And that's the band. I, you know, we went to Andy's studio. They they were into writing music, too. Okay. And uh, we recorded four songs. And we, we actually got together, reunited just for the hell of it, maybe two or three years ago from high school. And we tried, we, we did some of those songs. Oh, nice. And one of them, I was like, oh, my God. I, I, couldn't, even, I couldn't remember exactly how I played the, the one part, and I didn't have enough time to, to figure it out. But it was like mock speed. And I'm like, geez, what did I, what did I drink, like four Red Bulls before I did this? But I'm like, <laughs> no, I know I didn't because those weren't even in existence back then. So maybe I had some Mountain Dews, but or that I was young, you know, 18 years old. I don't know. That's it, was wh- like, it was like just crazy fast. That's crazy. I mean, so that recording is out there somewhere. Somebody's got it. Oh yeah, well I've got I've got the cassette of it at home. I know our uh, the lead singer I bought the reel reels from Andy, so he's got oh, it. Oh cool. I, I think actually I think it is. It might no. I was gonna say Spotify. No, SoundCloud maybe. It could be on SoundCloud. It, I'll, it, I'll it, it may be it. out there. This that's actually where this podcast is hosted. Oh, hosted really? at SoundCloud. No, that it is, but I'm not promoting it. It's it's yeah. not neither one nor the other. But yeah, yeah. I mean, that's really cool though, because I mean, I was in a band in high school, but we just did like covers, and we did like what I would call like pop punk covers. So we're talking yeah. like your Newfound Glories and your Some Forty Ones or whatever for all the people that are pop punk fans out there. But um, so we just did a bunch of that kind of stuff, but we never. I think we wrote like one original song. We never really like recorded anything. We did a live show somebody and yeah. somebody did like live board audio and saved it and gave it to us. Oh, so that's nice. like the closest we got to like recording something. But yeah. that's that's pretty cool. I bet not everybody has that opportunity when they're younger to go record something. No, yeah. I mean the recording was great and then uh we we played we ended we did have some gigs. You know, I think we had one, we played at some non alcoholic bar, whatever you want to call it, dry bar. Down in Ames, a long what, time ago. What I forget a, what is it called. But we we played there one night. We played in the Battle Bands down in Ames, uh, you know ISU. And uh, it's funny we had a video of that. My buddy and I dug it out maybe ten years ago and watched it. And you know we're doing uh, taking care of business. Okay. Way too fast. <laughs> I mean, it came on and I just started laughing. Yeah, I couldn't believe how fast, you know, it was like, oh man, I've got some tempo problems here. Yeah, somebody's got it on the wrong speed on the, oh my on the God, record. It was like twice as fast. So it's kind of funny, but that's so hilarious. No experience there, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's about it. I mean, I remember the first time we played was like at a pre prom event and uh, nice. you could hear people in the crowd like laughing at us because we were just like, oh, no. I, mean, I mean, we're in high school, it's high yeah, school yeah. kids, whatever. Everyone's just kind of that way. But like, we're up there with like 
you know, cheap hundred dollar guitars and little tiny practice yeah. amps, like trying to like oh, make we all, it. We all know how it is <laughs> in a giant auditorium, trying <laughs> to make started. it sound as good as we can. Yeah, it it was what it was, you yeah. know. But it was still fun, you know. I wouldn't trade any of those experiences for anything in the world. Oh no, I mean, heck no. That just, reminds me. Yeah, we played at a gym at the at the YMCA one time, and I could teen dance with that band. And oh yeah, you know, we borrowed the school's stage. You know, to, gosh, to be young and have all that energy, you know. Yeah, to go set it Hauled all that on. over there and hauled all this crap in. You know, it was like the big event of our lives at that point, you know. Yep. But uh, it was fun. It was a blast, you know. Well, I mean, let's hop around here just a tiny bit because we're talking about hauling stuff all over the place. And you're not one oh. to haul a small drum set around. No. What's up with that? You're talking about how it's, you know, you so, don't want to haul stuff. But you're, you're still bringing like what I would call a mini Neil Pert drum set with well, you. Well, yeah. So like the new <laughs> Even with saucy jackets, like, all right, I got to cut this down a little bit. That's man, I need this. I need that. Okay, I need that for this song and this. Okay, well, I could maybe cut a couple cymbals out. <laughs> I could get rid of this drum here. But, you know, with them, uh, you know, I've got electronic pads intermixed in and some foot triggers, which I, I used them all. Mm -hmm. And so I needed that. And my cymbal setup isn't that huge, you know. So I've got the sounds I need and, and the toms. Okay, we're, you know, we're covering this song. I need at least these four here and these low ones here. So... It is what it is. So, but just starting with them, you know, um, I had, you know, the stands. So it's like, okay, man, this is a lot of work. Slap to haul. I've, I've got to have a quicker setup than this, quicker mm -hmm. teardown. So, you know, you went out and I bought, I bought the rug set up. I marked where everything goes and spray painted it on the rug just to help me know where stand placement is. Try, you know, locked all the, the hardware in so it's quick set up. And that was fine for a while. And then, uh, you know, things progress. It's like, okay, I got to simplify cables. I got to do this. I got to do something quicker because I got into lights then mm -hmm. before we just had some basic stuff. But I, I'm all about, like, I, I just love the show, you know. I love playing live. I love the live performance. I love making people move and getting in. Hopefully they're getting into it, you know, and dancing and, and, and putting on the show. And, and I love like all musicians were artists and but for me too it's like you know it's it's not only the sound it's it's the visual it's the lights and all that stuff so i totally got into the lighting so then i'm not only hauling my kit i'm, I'm hauling all the lighting equipment setting that up so i had you know i tried to simplify and then again to make it bigger it's like well it'd be cool if the drums were on a riser you know <laughs> so I, I built this this custom riser and I tried to make it as efficient as possible, which I think I did a pretty good job. It, you know, it's two top pieces that come off, and then they fold in and fit inside the base piece, and then it goes. But the stands, I modified my, my hardware, so it just slips down into these mounts that I, you know, made, figured out, into the thing. Whoa. So the stands are in exactly the same place every time. They're locked as they go in, so it's... I mean, someone could else, could, you know, could take this and set my kit up, and it's going to be exactly how I want it without even saying anything. Because everything's oh, locked awesome. and stands and everything, spacing. You know, it's like you get to a point where you just can close your eyes and play, and you're hitting everything. It's, it's the exact same spot every time. But it makes it really quick and efficient. I mean, as far as setting up, you just pop this in, pop this in, pop this in, and you know, it's done. And then things are set. That's the one thing I think. But it's still a lot of stuff to haul. But it, <laughs> it, it did quicken things up and simplify uh, in, in, you know, the setup. And, and so, 
well, it works mean, out. That's something else. Like every drummer's setup is different. Yeah. I mean, you get you can have like the basic setup where it's like the snares between your legs, the hi hats over here. You got a few toms and in, in the shape where the toms are at. You when know. You want them. Yeah. But some people get weird where it's just like I like the ride all the way over here. Some people like yeah. it right up next to the snare. Some people like it in the middle, in between some time. I mean, it's yeah. But then you go to jam nights and you got to play on someone else's drum kit. I know. It, it'd be and like some, almost like playing on a guitar. It's like, well, this one's shaped differently, and the strings are farther apart, right. and et cetera, et cetera. The fretboard, you know, the whole neck, whatever, is a little thicker. You're not used to that, you know. It's yeah. Like I know how, but yeah, it's yeah. You know, and you look at the different drummers, and this guy has his ride symbol way up here. Yep. And this guy's just sitting down here or over here, and uh, I, I guess my and I've. The set, Neil Pert, you know, inspired me. So it, my set's always been kind of set up like him, and uh, and his his and his setups changed through the times. And uh, you know, he took uh, lessons from uh, I believe it's Freddie Gruber. Yeah, you know. I saw that in the documentary. Yeah, and, you know, and so you, it's like, and and I agree with him. I kind of agree. You know, it's like you start with the basic four piece. You got your 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 kick steering, and your tom here and here. Anything you want more off that, and, you know, and your hats here, snare, and then your ride. And it, the whole, what is it, ergonomics? I don't know. It, it, it's set up perfect. Yep. So anything you want beyond that, you just go off that. Mm-hmm. And so that's the way his set, you know, changed to that. And I kind of did the same thing. Uh, and that's the way I've been playing forever now. Although I have, his toms went here, here, and up over his hat. And I'm like, okay, well, that's really not me. And so I've the new setup for the Ronald King band and the other band I'm in, Kirkhart. I've I've tried to set it up more the way. Me, it's like okay, I'm not Neil Pert. I'm not this guy. I'm not you know. I'm me. Let's let's set it up how I want it. But it, but it's kind of based off that concept because I do love the ride, right here, the hat here, and then but but it's nice having the toms. I've got them all just right right in front of me now, mm-hmm. rather than stepping up and over the <laughs> the hat and anyway. Yeah, I'm trying sure. to simplify things down a little bit. Just a little smaller kid, but yeah, I'm sure some of that <laughs> comes really. down to. So I'm sure some of it comes down to technique, and some of it might come right. down to like just, em, emulating who you enjoy. But like, I've noticed some people sit with like they want to play down on their drums, and everything's flat. You know, like it's yeah. all the drums yeah. are really low, and it makes sense because then you're not blasting up above your head the whole time. Everything's right. yeah. about waist level. But some people like to have everything up high and tilt it a little bit so you can kind of see it a little bit more, and the targets are bigger. And I want to say like Nico from Iron Man, he's got his <laughs> drums like. Almost like forty-five degrees. A wall. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, Ooh. and I think his ride is like up almost vertical, like this. Yeah, you know. And that that's it's not me, but it's just it's your style, what you're comfortable with, and what you want. And uh, I I think I've got my layout, you know, the way I like it now. Yeah. Uh, We're talking Nico from Iron Maiden. Yeah, my favorite band. Nice. Uh, yes. <laughs> so you talk about drummers with big kits. I know. Yeah, I know and he's, he's right up there too. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty wild. So how many? I know you from. Saucy Jack. And that's where I kind of like knew who you were before I kind of saw you with Ronley. Yeah. And I actually forgot that you were in Kirkhart's band until you mentioned it. Yeah. Because, I mean, you guys haven't played a well, show yet. Well, we haven't yet, done anything. Yet. We're, well, we've been getting together and rehearsed, but yeah, there's nothing but yeah. we haven't played yet. Yeah. I mean, be a little bit. it's going to be a cool time there. That's all I got to say. It's, it's, he, well, you, you talked to him a while ago. Yep. He wants a big show. Yep. Uh, which I'm all about, you know? I mm-hmm. like that too. Yeah. And I wanted to actually do more with Saucy, but, you know, it's just three guys, man. It's a lot of stuff to all. And I know the other two, you know, Jim and Stacy weren't, weren't into that quite as much. Yeah. But I was, but it's like, <laughs> all right. 
No, I get it anyway, though. Like, but he wants a big show. That's the benefit of having more people, more people, right. more hands to haul stuff. I mean, we've got five people in the band now, so yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the going to be one it, of the first bands with a keyboard player right. in, in a while. Other, it, well, I guess Ron Lee's band has one, but still. And and the keyboard player is completely involved with light, so he's kind of taking that off, nice. that off my hands. So that's what I want. It's like okay, something in a different direction. I I, I just want to focus on the drums mm-hmm. and the drumming rather than designing the light show and programming it all and, and controlling it and then uh, you know, like our, our backing parts with Saucy Jack any keys and stuff like that I learned it and did it at home you know the MIDI into my uh, electronic drum module you know it's mm-hmm. loaded with all that stuff so I get programmed into that and then set it up on the pads to trigger and start and stop stuff I love that and, and so it's like I wanted to get away from that and just uh, and just focus on drums and, and try to be the best I can at that, which, so it's like, I want that, but yeah, do I practice? Uh, not near <laughs> like I should, <laughs> you know, so think, it's like, I don't know. I think a lot of us are guilty of that. Jeez. Like, like if I spent less time hunting for gear, I would probably spend a little more time playing the I've got the a gearhead myself. Yeah. That's, that's, for, that's just like right now I'm building a new riser because oh, everything's locked in and you can't move it. So the, the set's a little different layout, so I, I've got to change it. And so, since I built it too, it's like some of my lights. I have lights in the thing too. Mm-hmm. You know, are kind of going bad, and uh, the finish on it is what I wanted. But I, I built one. Maybe you saw the rotating one. Mm-mm. Anyway, that's a different story. <laughs> I, I, I got the finish on that that I wanted. So it's like, okay, third time's a charm. I'm going to combine what I did with that one with the efficiency of the first one. And it, it, this is it. So, Okay, rotating drum set? Yeah, we, well, we, well, do, it, we doing some like Tommy Lee stuff here or what? No, more like Neil Peart. This all comes from Neil Peart, you know, because he had the electronic kit on the back. Oh, yeah. At least later in the later years. Yep. Um, and so he, it would rotate around to play that so he was, didn't have his back to the audience. And so I'm like, well, you know, I, he was the big, you know, huge influence. So it's like, that would be so cool. I thought, well, Saucy Jack, you know, we play a pour some sugar, uh, you know what I mean? It's like, well, I, I could play that on the, you know, full electronic kit and uh, it'd be cool. You know, I could rotate around it, which is kind of cool in mm-hmm. itself, you know, the yeah. visual thing, part of the show. But I didn't build it for that. I, I, I've always, it's always been on my mind, you know, uh, you know, it'd be fun to, to do this. And it's like, what the hell? I can do it. I've been thinking about it for years. I'm just going to do it. Nice. Whether, whether I use it with Saucy, you know, once or never, I'm, I'm still doing it, but we did use it once. Um, <laughs> so yeah, crazy, but so I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm guessing one of these days, maybe hopefully when, uh, some rush tribute out band out there, will maybe, uh, I'll, we'll see it. I'll maybe try to sell it, and get rid of it, you know, to them. Well, I'd like to say they got the most difficult part covered, but that. Maybe not, you know. <laughs> like, like I don't think I'd want to cover an Alex Lifeson part or even a Getty Lee part. Yeah. Like, I mean, I remember watching their documentary, and they said in the early days, Alex had it easiest because all he had to do was play guitar, and he's not Neil Pert, and Getty's playing bass, keyboards, and singing. Yeah. And so they, I remember them saying like for a while there before they had people like off stage handling all of the modulation and stuff. Right. Uh, they said that Alex Lifeson was doing his pedals and then also doing all of Getty's pedals for everything. Well, that could be. I mean, I know, he, yeah, he has a pretty big board out there, and I know he, he's, he's triggering some of their backing tracks mm-hmm. um, that they do as well. And I know I've seen him a couple songs where he did do some keys on a couple, not much, mm-hmm. a couple little simple parts. But, yeah, 
Yeah, I love. I don't know, and that's the thing about them. It's like without one of them, it's just it's just not rush. Yeah, you know, it's three of them together were just magic, and that was awesome. And uh, I don't think they're, they're irreplaceable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like some people may disagree, but well, I, I don't Neil Pert so. passed not away. With rush. Like, like who are you gonna who are you gonna cover Neil Pert's part now? Yeah, I, I, mean, I dare to you, name you name see, me one person. You see a lot of people that are out there covering this stuff, and it's like, okay, yeah, sounds pretty darn good. You know, it sounds like you nailed that. Um, but you're not Neil Pert. You're not you're not nailing every 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 song you do. And if you are, well, so are you gonna go right now? Yeah, you're not gonna get close. Yeah, because you know, he he did, did a lot of their he vocal writing. He did all the writing. lyrics. Yep. He did all the uh, yeah the drum parts and. Uh, One of my most popular tweets ever was Neil Pert is the modern day Shakespeare. You know, I, and that was one of my I've most heard popular a lot of tweets ever. <laughs> along those lines, in in so many quotes from him, and just you know, inspiration from his uh, his lyrics that he's written for a lot of people. It's just you know, inspiring for them. And Absolutely, it's crazy stuff. So let's take me from the high school band to Saucy Jack, where I kind of knew you. So from. okay, there is a connection a little bit. Uh, oh. So the high school band, Dan Irving. I don't know Dan. The name's familiar. Dan, he plays bass now. He was busy for a while, it seemed like, and then he kind of dropped off, and he's gotten back into it now. So he's playing bass with Kirkhart now. Okay. But he was he was playing keyboards at the time with the high school band. Oh, nice. And so, uh, anyway, he and I, I know and I he, know Dan. Yeah, Dan he, is uh, Owen's yes stepdad yeah. person. Yes. Yep. yep. Yeah, that's awesome. So okay, it, I was trying it, to put the trying yes, to put the puzzle it's, it's pieces. coming. You found it. Yeah. <laughs> so he's also a rush head. And so, and that was the guy I was mentioned earlier that we went to that concert, and he was the one that said, oh, it's Porcupine Tree. Anyway, and so we were always, you know, we in a band there, and that kind of fell apart. It's like, oh, dude, you we, you and I need to start a band. We need to figure something out. And we, we'd get together and jam, you know, and, you know, some Rush and stuff. It's like we need to find a guitarist. Anyway, I heard a Saucy Jack might be splitting up. Well, we, I went and we saw him at Pee Wee's, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew Dan Trimble, the owner of Fort Edge Music Center, mm-hmm. because I would go there all, you know, all the time in high school. You know, be looking and, and buying, you know, getting stuff, some symbols and stuff. So, and he knew me well. And so it was like, uh, I'd mentioned to him, I was like, man, I would love to meet a band like this someday. I mean, it's just rock, hard rock. And he kind of smiled and looked at me. He's like, well, you never know. <laughs> and uh, you know, it was shortly after that that I guess you know he and his wife got divorced, and then he had moved away. Oh, okay. So then Saucy was oh, over, snap. over, yeah. And so, but Dan and I were like, oh, maybe we should contact Jim and see if he wants to play. So I got on their you know website and emailed them and say, hey, you know, Jim, is you it'd be interested. You know, my buddy and I are trying to find a guitarist. Are you in, interested in uh, in playing with us? And he's like, yeah. And this is back and forth. He's like, yeah, I don't know what we're doing. You know. Um, you know, may I don't know if we, we Saucy Jack might be, we might try to find another drummer, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Of course, my eyebrows went up. I'm like, well, hey, if, you know, if you're, I would definitely be interested in that. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, some time went by and then I heard from him and he's like, you know, why don't, let's get together and meet and we'll, uh, we'll chat. So Jim and Stacy came up and we met at Marvin's, I remember, and talked over some stuff. They gave me a set list, and we went over to Pee Wee's and caught a band there. I'm not who it was. And then that was it. I didn't hear anything for, again, a couple months. I'm like, oh, shoot, that maybe fell through. And then he emailed me and said, hey, you know, let's uh, let's get together and try some of this stuff. And I don't know when that was, maybe January, February. And I don't know what, what it was, but this is my guess. 
is that they got a call from Jim Reed about opening for Chicago. Oh, okay. celebration. Yeah. They didn't have any. So it's like, all right, do we want to do this gig? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's huge. So let's try this guy out. And, you know, that's my guess. I don't know if that's what happened. But anyway, we got together and, uh, you know, it went great. That's I think, awesome. I think Jim was kind of floored and surprised. And it's like, all right, so let's let's do six more for next time. And we got together and threw another 12. We probably got together five times maybe. Had about 33 songs. We booked a gig at Dino's. Okay. A little bar their names for our first gig just to get get our feet wet yep. together live. And that was it. My second show with them was opening for Chicago. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, here we go. Jump on the fire. That's, that's really awesome. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, it, it went well. And ever since then, you know, what, 13 years later. Mm-hmm. How many of those big kind of shows have you ended up playing? Because I know uh, Saucy Jack's opened up for a handful. Yeah, we, we, well, we did that one. And then we were, we were in line to open up for Sticks, I believe. And, and then they came back and said, that, you know, no cover bands. And so we got dropped. Okay. At least that's the story I heard. And so that was a bummer. Uh, but we opened for REO Speedwagon. This is a little celebration, you know. I've, 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 seen, I've seen you guys play then. The other band. Because I, I was, at, I was at the REO Speedwagon show. Yeah. I, uh, I got free tickets to that, actually. Awesome. Yeah. The day of the show, I won them on the radio. That was crazy opening for them. I remember playing, we played Radar Love, you know, the White Lions version. Mm-hmm. I remember doing playing that song and looking over and seeing the drummer uh, for Ario. I'm like, oh shit, okay, he's watching, great. <laughs> focus and go on, you know. Oh my gosh, it was pretty crazy. That's cool. That um, was that was packed. That Ario Speedway yeah. show. I mean, that was a good show. There were so many people there. Yeah. Oh my it was, gosh, it's fun doing those. It, it's fun meeting some of the musicians. You know, I mean, we were walking backstage, Jim and I, and, and we ran in the guitarist. And he was cool. You know, some were like, you know, yeah, stay away from me. Yeah, I'm cool and what, but uh, it was it was cool. He was ch- chatting with him and this and that, and it was all good. And then, which brings another one. You know, it's like we opened for uh, we all down just recently Memorial Day at uh, down at Boone for uh, Great White, Vince Neil. Oh, cool. And uh, Night Ranger. But anyway, Zoltan Cheney came back. I had my kit, you know, stage, behind stage, you know, pre-stage with the riser and stuff. And he came back and he was checking it out. And nicest guy I've ever met. Nice. And he's awesome. But have you ever seen him drum? Mm-mm. He's, he's it, it's, it's, uh, it's theatrical. I mean, it's entertainment. <laughs> he's, he's all over the place. Throwing sticks, kicking stuff, getting up, kicking cymbals with his feet. I mean, he's just ah, that's fun. so entertaining. But just the most down to earth, nicest guy in the world. You know, snacked some pictures, chatted with him for a while about my kid. You know, and it's like very cool. That's awesome. It's always fun to meet famous people when they're nicer than because I mean, like, yeah, I mean, you meet some of those people and they're just like, you know. But I also I also understand that. Could you imagine going yeah. everywhere and everyone just like all up in your grill? Like you're yeah. just like I'm just trying to eat cereal, you right? Know, or like whatever, and they're just like take a picture. It's, yeah, like like Vince kind of seemed that way. I mean, he was just kept to himself, you know. You know, can't go near him type of thing. Yeah. But, uh, that, you know, that was a big show. Uh, what else? We opened for uh, Oka Ario and then the other one. Well, Cheap Trick and uh, 38 Special. Nice. Just, just recently. Yeah, that's cool. Then we, we I think we played Bait a couple times. These are all bands. I've been with them. Mm-hmm. I know they've had some other stuff. Like they opened, well, when Celebration was just getting going and 38 Special couldn't get here. Mm-hmm. You know, they called Saucy Jack, so it was just, it was Saucy and... Uh, 
was it Foghat? Anyway, it's just the, right. the opening band for 38 took the, the headlining, and of course, Saucy then played. Oh, cool. So, you know, they had some shows like that. And I know they opened for Firehouse and Loverboy and Head East and stuff, but those were before I was with them. Sweet. That's really cool. But yeah, we had some pretty big shows, and a couple out of bait opened for some big, big names. And yeah, it's, always it, awesome. it's, it's been crazy. I mean, I, I've always said I, I never imagined starting drums out that, <laughs> yeah, I, okay. that I would someday be in a band and, and sharing the stage. You know, with the people that I've, I've mentioned. Yeah. Chicago, I mean, Chief Trick, 38 Special. Yeah, imagine if you just kept Vince. playing the trumpet. That <laughs> wouldn't be there. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, rock and roll lifestyle, yeah. It sounded like cool, though. You know, it's a lot of work. <laughs> you know, my, I mean, my days playing with them, it was like, it was a 12-hour day. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I can imagine with I mean, all by, the setup and by stuff. By the time you leave the house at, you know, three thirty, four o'clock and drive, you know, we usually play within an hour. I usually allowed about three hours to set everything up. Yeah. Play, and then four four hours, tear down, getting out of there at 2.30 in the morning, driving home, in bed by four. You know, it's like four to four. It's it's, it's, a, day. it's a day. Yeah, I mean, for your three, four hours of just rocking out, it's a lot of work, you know? It honestly Between is. There. That's something I didn't really realize until this last year. I mean, like, I play in a punk band, but we just play, like, little half-hour sets, awesome. and it doesn't feel, like, too bad to... Just yeah. drag yours. I mean, it does feel like it's like I'm dragging a lot of stuff here for a half an hour, but at the same well, time, too, yeah. you set it up, you play, you, you take it off, you're done. That's easy. Yeah. But like when you start playing four hour sets, it's like, cool. Now it's like, quote unquote, worth it, yeah. you know, and I'm, I'm getting a bigger paycheck because I'm playing longer, et cetera. But it's at the same time, like, you got to think about, like you said, now I have to pack up more stuff, which is going to take longer. And then you got to drive there and come yeah. back and you're playing all over and the it, place. And it's one o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, lately these other bands, it's like okay, like our show at River Hops, and the other night it's like we're starting at seven, starting at eight, only playing a couple hours. Like, this is all right, you know. Yeah. It's like, am I getting too old for this? These earlier times are great. Yeah. The nine to one thing was, and back when I was playing with them, you know, we'd do a double night like at Pee Wee's. He always wanted Friday and Saturday. Oh dang. That's rough. Oh man. At least you. Well, you still. Have to... yeah, but we could leave it set up. Yeah. I mean, that, that was the plus, I guess. Yep. Didn't have to set it up twice, but right. it's... I've been talking to some people recently and we were talking about the, like the huge difference between playing a three hour and a four hour set. Yeah. Like, I feel like three hours is a magic number. Like two hours, you could rock the whole time. Three, two, two hours. It's like, like, we're going out there. We're going to throw it down. No break. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Three hours. You get to snag a little break. You can play some yeah. slow songs and some fast songs and kind of get it going. I got to go to the bathroom. Four yeah. hours. It's kind of like. By the time you're done, you're almost burned out. You know, yeah, I mean, like you're tired. Yeah, it's like, I remember, you know, my butt hurts. It's like, I had a couple of times I cramped up, but I attribute that to something else. You know, but <laughs> yeah, you, you, by the end of the night, you're like exhausted. Then what sucks is like, okay, you have to tear it all down. Yeah, I mean that's which our setup was stupid. You know, I mean, I went over the top as much as I could with lights one mm-hmm. guy and my kit being big and which is another thing about the efficiency and the riser it's like I, I need to simplify things as much mm-hmm. as possible yeah for quick and easy and it's, so. it's not so bad when you don't have too many things like I know people that it's just like I have a guitar a cable it goes into the amp that's <sighs> the end of the story and it's like what if you have an amp that goes into extra cabs and you have yeah. pedal boards and all this other, but you have to like figure out a way to set it all up it's like I gotta have 14 cables and yeah. you gotta make sure they're all organized and stuff so I mean 
doing those half hour sets really kind of taught me how to do that because it's like we have 10 minutes between right. bands and they're tearing their stuff down and you got to load up next like to you got to get on and off stage in this amount of time yeah so and then, which is another reason you know mm-hmm. it's like try to simplify things as much as possible yeah i'm totally with you on that and i mean that is also kind of the beauty of playing the long sets you can show up as early as you want you yeah. know some places you could like i know uh, some venues it's like we, we can get in there that early oh awesome yeah. yeah i know salty views sometimes sets up the day before you know because they've got so much stuff <laughs> no i don't well and, and, and well i i know i know tim yep trent whatever yep yeah uh, yeah we're kind of two peas in a pod and he's he's pretty particular and kind of you know on top of things yeah and, and i am too but he maybe more so yeah it, he just takes time get everything just right and, and which is awesome but yeah, I mean... He loves the extra time, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, there is something to be said, though, because, I mean, I remember in his podcast, he said something along the lines of, um, you see what you hear when you go to a music show. Or you hear what you, you see. You hear what you see, see. Yes. yes. There you go. And that, uh, I would agree. I mean, it, it it helps. It does. And that definitely applies to uh, food. Uh, yeah. I, I love to cook, too. Uh, but the presentation, you know, you get a nice gourmet meal at you know a fine restaurant. You know how they make it all. It looks so good. It makes a difference. Yep. Oh man, I gotta I gotta throw this out there. So, so. It, I totally that is totally true. So you like you like food and you understand presentation. Well, today I made some like taco macaroni and cheese, right? Which is which is just like you yellow. can make that look spectacular. Yeah, it's like yellow and blobby. But then I was like, all right, I'm gonna throw some like chips on top and it's just like yellow corn <laughs> chips on yellow mush and it's like this is all just yellow garbage you need some color <laughs> you need some color in here get, get, get some brown or uh some blue chips and red yeah uh, should have had more red. salsa in there or something right. i don't know <laughs> some green jalapenos sliced up scattered around the plate there we I go don't know, <laughs> uh, that was like that was my lunch today i was like this is hilarious and then you brought yeah. that up i was like i gotta talk about this uh, this yeah. is totally important in podcast stuff <laughs> no, that's totally true man you you hear what you see and you you taste what you see. And, yeah, you know, I mean it's, it makes a difference. It does. It really does. And I mean that's not to say like I've been to some stripped down shows at nonsense places and like little hole in the wall bars that yeah. have been absolutely amazing. Oh, absolutely. And, and I don't want to come across wrong. It's like obviously the most important thing is the sound mm-hmm. musically. I, I mean, are you playing well? Are you are you, are you getting it down? Are you nailing mm-hmm. it? You've got you got to have that, but. So you add a you know a spectacular light show, you know something on top of that, it just adds to the whole experience, mm-hmm. you know, and people go home like God, they sounded great, and man, the freaking lights and effects were mm-hmm. you know, just turns it in more of a not a listening thing, but the visual, just the whole experience, you know. Yeah, I mean, which, I, which is right, you know, I, I love that, like hairball. Yep. I yeah. I can love to play. Oh gosh, that's... play with them, you know. That's some fun stuff. I mean, they're like, over the top. Yeah, I mean, it's fun. I love those kind of bands though. Like the Pork Tornadoes is like a cover band from Iowa. Same deal. I mean, they they hire it out, but it, that's that doesn't make it any less impressive because it's like they have like yeah. <laughs> they have one of the best live shows around. You know, it's, so. it's funny you even say that because I just saw Hairball last weekend mm-hmm. down in Des Moines, and Pork Tornadoes open for him. No way! And I never even heard of them. Well, I mean, I've heard of them, but I'd never heard them live. Oh, my gosh. And so these guys come out with these big beards. Well, three of them. What, do they then, sell at Wells Fargo? Those two kids, it, it they was, can sell some tickets, it, both of them. It was pretty them. packed. <laughs> I was like, shit, this place is about packed. I mean, my wife and they were looking at me before. I said, that's a pretty big building. I'm like, yeah. It was. It seemed like a freaking big-time show. Yeah. Like it was full. <laughs> but they come out looking like, uh, you know, to me, 
like you know kind of 90s grunge and you know the beards and all that stuff mm-hmm. and they open with lady gaga i mean you're familiar with them so mm-hmm. in the stuff they're pulling like okay i wasn't expecting that but damn they sound good it's awesome <laughs> i mean they sounded great it was fun. Yeah, those yeah. guys. Those guys are tons of fun. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, I've talked to Mike a couple times on the podcast. Their drummer. He's got a podcast now where they review movies, and it's like it was at one point in time the number one podcast for no movies kidding. and entertainment on Apple. <laughs> and I, it's called Confused Breakfast. If anybody wants to look it up, yeah. but yeah, that's. I I hundred percent agree that the light show makes a difference, and I mean. Once again, this is not to say anything against any bands that don't have the light show. But like, I've been to one venue that they have house lights, and the the person runs the house lights. That's awesome. That's always a a plus. But I remember seeing one band there where their deal was, we're bringing in our own lights. Right. And so they brought in their own lights and didn't use the house lights. And the light show was so insane because they obviously had it keyed up to everything. It was all MIDI triggered through there. Uh, Kemper units and all this other fancy schmancy stuff. So it, it all triggered itself, and they had smoke machines in the whole nine yards. Yeah. And I was like, "This show is insane." I've been to dozens of shows at this venue, yeah. and these guys are blown it away. And I mean, they were doing so. They, they could have played with the house lights; it would have been just as impressive because they were right. that good. But still, yeah. the light show made it like. I mean, it's almost like I was transported back to the '80s when you think of those huge light shows they used I, to have. I love that. This is the whole show. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Which is why, you know, it's like, I want to focus, but it's back to the plants. Like, you've got to have that down. And so that's why I wanted to focus on because I, I was I was trying to do that and I didn't trigger the lights for this and that. Uh, and then the keyboard backing tracks, you know, triggering those. It's like, I just want to focus on drumming. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice in one of the bands now. They, I think the other guy's going to take the lights over. That's really cool. We're going to kind of work together, but yeah. But I, yeah, I just love, I love the show. Love live performance. It's fun. So let's talk about mixing electronic drums with uh, acoustic drums. So everybody knows drums are the round things with the skin on the top, and you hit them and they go boom. But they have like a little electric pads for electric drum sets that you can technically program whatever you want into them. Yeah, I mean Roland's. Uh, that's why you know I'm playing with the Roland uh, Roland kit, and they I think they're about the first maybe to come out with the mesh heads, which, which really feel pretty darn close to mm-hmm. the real drums. Yeah, because I remember uh, those rubber ones were. Oh yeah, like... and I had the old Simmons kit, you know, way back when. It's just hard rubber, and mm-hmm. is if it's worse, worse than a practice pad because it's hard. Or maybe they're just so old that I hit them recently. I feel that way, but <laughs> <laughs> but, but the new Rollins are great, um, and, and their sounds are it's unbelievable. I mean, you get that thing going through a nice PA and tweaked in, and get your sounds tweaked, and the adjustments, you know, and changes you can make to, with their sounds, it is is unbelievable. I mean, you can almost emulate, you know, about anything. Yeah. We're pretty close. And so, uh, but the main thing I was using it for with, uh, you know, Saucy Jack is is just using it, well, like sound effects, like the cowbells and, you know, um, the vibra, vibra slap on yep. like uh, Crazy Train, you know, stuff like that. Yep. That's, uh, that's the then, rattle at the beginning yeah, of Crazy Train. Yeah, that's yep. for those people that don't know. And then... uh. Look, know, look up a vibra yeah. slap yeah. if you don't know There's what it is. There's a ball and a thing, and a little, they, thing that looks like a wood wood block. They're it. wild. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so I, stuff like that, but I was mainly using it for the to trigger you know the backing keyboard parts and stuff. That's really neat. So, I, and then I did get some tricky because I also make acoustic triggers, and then I I like we did a wild side for a while, for a while wild side, mm-hmm. and I so I beefed up the toms to some like you know the, the recording timing and put a big flange effect on it mm-hmm. which was which is awesome no oh, i love so, it and so uh and after a while though they, they kind of got bad it wasn't working well so it kind of ticked me off but I, i've got the new ones now 
and they work awesome with the new sound module that I have. It's like unbelievable. They made such improvements with that. It's like, okay, this is insane. Yeah. You've got the acoustic kit, and then you put those on, and you can overlay and tweak your sounds by overlaying that onto it. And, and the response, it, it just sounds amazing. I love the incorporation of electronics into an acoustic kit. I know there's some drummers out there that are like, that's sacrilege no, or whatever. You're cheating but, or, yeah, it's not, yeah. yeah. Oh, you use triggers, burp a derp a derp, and I get, I get it. You're, but you're still playing the same drum set. Yeah. I um, mean, I'm like, with this, so far, I mean, with Roundley, I'm not using any, any electronics. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kirk Hart, I, I am. It's kind of a similar setup to, uh, to what I had in you know, previous band. Um, it's, but it's because some of the stuff we're doing, there's all these sound effects and crazy stuff going. So like, well, I need to trigger that. I need to do this and that. Mm-hmm. And for practice, it's great because I've got the acoustic triggers, electronic triggers on the acoustic drums. And so it's like uh, everyone else is running through amps and PA. My, my kit's not mic'd up. Mm-hmm. But with those, it's like it is. Mm-hmm. And it makes a huge difference as far as just practicing. But yeah, it really does. It's, it's nice. Yeah. I mean, so like if people don't understand the concept, like you can have like what looks like a fake, fake plastic drum set pretty much. And that's an electronic kit. But you can also have triggers set up on an acoustic kit that are kind of you just kind of attach them to the, the head that's already there. Yeah, they've got... Right, screw them onto the rim, and there's their little sensor touches the uh, head and uh, hit the head, and it triggers it. And the newer ones work great. Yeah. So one of the cool things I remember, like it's this is really pretty much exactly what you were talking about with uh, the Tommy Lee effect. But like, yeah. uh, I was talking to Mike Schulte from Pork Tornadoes. And he was telling me about what he does is like same concept, but then when they play like in the air tonight, he's got this like little tiny kit. You know, but if yeah. they're playing in the air tonight, it's like, well, I can use these triggers to make it sound like I'm hitting humongous yeah. toms, like you know, like Phil Absolutely. Collins did, and it, they're not actually there. But yeah. the other cool thing is you can blend the two sounds together. You can yeah. mic, you can mic up the drum, like and make just have the acoustic oh, yeah, sound absolutely. come through, and then blend it in with something and, and deeper that's a, or that's whatever. That's awesome. It's like we all want that Mike Cruz song. You know, it's my my drums are always there, but then I I beefed them up and make them sound you know a little deeper and a little more thunderous, and then put the flange effect on it. So it was just overlaid on top of what was already I there. I love it. It's just, it's, oh, yeah, it sounded so powerful. Yeah. yeah. It was awesome. I mean, there's people, obviously. And you can, yeah, do any sound on top of that, mm-hmm. like, like he was saying. Yeah, and there's so many people out there, I understand that, like, acoustic only, this is, this is pure, purist or whatever, but like, I get it. No. And because from my experience going and playing so many different, like, shows with, like, metal bands and things like that, a lot of them will like what I would say, like almost abuse the trigger, you know, where like, yeah. where it's like, well, we're just going to trigger this and we're going to have it set up to be this sound. And it's like the, the kick drum almost sounds like a flat snare drum. Like it's so abrasive when it comes to the speakers, yeah. you know, so wouldn't it be better if there was just a regular kick drum, but it's like, <laughs> eh, whatever, I'm not running sound. It's not my band. Yeah, I've learned not to judge or like worry about it too much, I yeah. guess. And, and I can see, I mean, I, I mean, I play an acoustic kit and, and it's all there. And, and so a lot of the songs, I really didn't overlay those sounds on it. And, you know, I, I know, like, uh, uh, Dean Davis, great drummer. Oh, yeah. He, uh, he, you know, he can't stand the electronic kits. And, and, and I get it. I know why. Oh, yeah. I mean, because nothing responds like your real hi-hat, your, your real snare drum, mm-hmm. and, and the other drums. And, uh, and I, I completely agree. But for me, it's just... Okay, it's just another tool in the box, you know. It's like, yeah, yeah, I, I want that, and that, and that's what I'm doing. But for this song, we're covering. I, I want the toms beefed up. 
mm-hmm. and I want an electronic pad over here I can just use for this percussion sound, mm-hmm. you know, and this and that, or be able to trigger the uh, the home sweet home piano part here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but overall, yeah, I'm, I'm playing an acoustic kit, and mm-hmm. that's what I like. And I agree, it does it does, still doesn't compare to electronic, but the new electronic kits, um, the cymbals, they're getting better, but you know they still can't. They're not touching the real ones. Yeah, but. Uh, the, the toms with you know, the mesh heads and it's, it's not bad. I, I know the, I know a lot a lot of drummers and you know on the Facebook groups I'm on said oh my god that's all I'm using live now it's amazing you know you can mm-hmm. get the, your kit sound exactly like this one and this one and touch of a button switch it over and <laughs> yeah it's great it depends on the type of music but you know if you're doing jazz you know like real jazz electronic kit is not gonna work no 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 you're not gonna have any of the ghost notes or any of the finesse <laughs> no, no that. and that's that's what dean's after and, and i i completely agree i mean there's so much you can't do on electronic kit that you can't on acoustic yeah so, i mean i guess like some of people's so preferences yeah any. some of people's preferences i guess just come down to their playing styles and what they're yeah, trying to go after like. you know yeah absolutely. you know makes total sense yeah I got, you know, and that's, I think it's one of the fun things about learning an instrument is kind of incorporating some of the other tools though, too. Yeah. Cause I mean, like, why, why wouldn't you, I guess, want to learn everything about it, you know, but well, yeah. And you know, if, if we need this for something, it's like, why not? I mean, I don't, you know, I, you know, I hear a lot of people talk about like, okay, well, they've got a, a teleprompter up there for the vocals. You know, honestly, to me, that doesn't bother me. Doesn't bother me either, but some it's people like, it bothers them a lot. I know, and it's like I I don't, and I respect that. But I don't know what the issue is. I mean, some people don't even go, like, not go back to Rush, but Geddy Lee had one in front of him for all their vocals at the end. Yep. It's like so what, and, and they're also triggering. I know some people have said, um, you know, like triggering our back and stuff, the keyboards mm-hmm. and this and that. It's like, who cares? Yeah, some people. I didn't go that. out and isolate it off their recording and and sample it and play it back. I learned the part, found the sounds in my, my thing, uh, you know, my module at home, record, played it and recorded it at home. So it's all us, guys. We're all playing this. Mm-hmm. It's just, we only, there's only three of us. Yeah. So I don't see anything wrong with us triggering that back. Yeah. I mean, like, that's but the other... some people, they throw a fit about it. It's like, well, whether or not, it's like, well... All the sound's you know, not what? coming from the people. It's like, yeah, well, technically it kind of is, you know. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, like, the other thing is, like, you now have to add in hitting a trigger into already playing the song anyways. Right. So you're like, how do I mush this in there at the right time? Because oh, it know. has to be the right time. And timing, yeah. And that, yeah, so that's... I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, because, I mean, that's the thing. I about that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if you're playing to anything that's looped or triggered or backing tracks. And you've got to be spot on. You have to be spot on because it doesn't shift. Like, if you're the drummer and you come in a little late, you can kind of catch up and go back to being correct. Right. But the track's not going to know that. It's not going to no. shift for you. Which is nice for me because I did them all. So I know exactly where they were and when they started and stopped. And I was one that started and stopped them. So they would start on the beat. But. Man, there were there were a couple times, you know, in our 13 years where we did get off. And I just had to, to turn the thing off, mm-hmm. and 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 so that's the way, uh, you know, I came down. It's like, well, I'm going to record this song in you know in segments. I can do this little section here, this section here. We had some oh. five. There were like five or six different patterns that would play back. Here's the chorus part. Here's the just to help keep things dead on. Mm-hmm. Because I know I was talking to uh, I don't know if it's Tony Benson. I can't remember. Somebody yeah. where they did have one of their tracks was the entire song. Yeah. I'm like, oh shit, no. There's there's no adjust in there. Well, you'd almost I mean, have you've to got, have got you almost have to play with a click in your ear. Yes, you have, you have to have in your, have have in your, your clicks. Click, which I never did. 
I've done. And I did. I didn't want to. But yeah, you'd almost have to for something like that because if you get off, you're you're screwed. Yeah, and see, I've done that for or like rehearsal purposes. To get back on, I mean, it's like, oh my god. It sounds good and it sounds really tight when you play to clicks and stuff, but I also think it takes some of the life out of things when you play to clicks. Yeah, because no, I agree. it's almost it's almost like Neil Pert where he's dead on the beat, but now everyone's dead on the beat and there's no there's no sagging one way or the other from from one to the next, you know, because now nobody gets to be in the pocket, you know, and right and some music well, doesn't it, require it, a pocket though well, either. And I know, I mean, a lot of songs you you want same tempo throughout, but. I have heard some, especially work on this in the lights, because I would like coordinate the lights, timing wise. Well, I'm like, okay, actually, that that chorus is kind of sped up a little bit, and that's just part of music, mm-hmm. you know, and the feel and the vibe. That part's gonna be a little more energetic, maybe a little quicker than it drops back here. You know, of course, with jazz and yeah, man, it's all <laughs> over the place. Yep, or it can be, but uh, yeah. So playing with a click, I, I just that's just the whole song's rock solid the same the whole way. Uh, and plus, you you not only listen to your 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 body's bandmates plan, and and folks on your part, but you've got to make sure you stay with this click. It's just so monotonous. I mean, it's just I just didn't like it. It is, yeah. It's couldn't. I didn't want to do that. <laughs> it's like the, it's like the sound of the blinker in your car. Yeah, it's like, it's like after a while, it's like, oh my gosh, yeah, just, just let me play, it. let me yeah. drive, just turn this thing off. <laughs> yeah. you know? I totally get it. I totally you know? get it. Yeah, I mean, but that's like, uh, you know, kudos to you, though, because like you've pretty much dipped a little bit into every alley of drumming, kind of, it seems like you've you've played with backing tracks, like almost to a click track, you know, and, yeah. but you've played acoustic stuff and you've, you've played with the huge kit and the smaller kit yeah. and you had the rotating stage with the electric kit and the non-electric and then you blended them together into one yeah. thing that had all, you know, so. Well, I, but and, and, and that's all been kind of the rock, hard rock, so I don't know. Saucy came to an end, or a, a break. Anyway, so it's like I've never, and I was did jazz, you know, some jazz band stuff in high school, but you know, I've never really listened to blues, played blues, so I was kind of excited for you know something different and something mm-hmm. new. And it, you know, doing it now, it it is a lot different. I mean, it is, but it's not. But playing, I mean, for, I guess with Saucy, it's like okay, we're doing this song. You get the CD, whatever. I'm an old guy. You get the download. You listen to the song. Guns and Roses, Sweet Child of Mine. Everyone knows it. Yep. All the stuff we did was like that. It's like you play it, try to play it note for note. At least we did, you know. Just try to reproduce exactly what's on, on there. So I could easily go home, put that on, play to it. I did most of my practice at home, which is we really never did get together and practice. Yeah. <laughs> but, but with that type of thing, you just could do it at home. We just, well, we're doing it just like the recording. Maybe yep. we'd change up a couple of songs, but pretty minor. And play along with it. It sounds just like it. Um, but with the blues band, the the drumming in those songs is just not, it's not rock. It's not the basic, mm-hmm. straightforward stuff. It's a lot looser. It seems like there's a lot more expression in stuff, in, in room for you to express yourself if you want with your own style. And, and it's totally, completely fine mm-hmm. and fits. And so there's that, which I'm excited about. Uh, but there's a lot of what we're doing. It's like, okay, let's let's don't do that part. Let's change that. Okay, we're doing we're starting this different than that. You know, we're in it different. This is gonna go. On. So it's like, okay, like I was telling you earlier, before it's like, I, I'm one. I want to have my stuff nailed down as much as I can before a show. Mm-hmm. And we got together twice, and all these songs are completely not like the recording. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I can't remember all this. 
shit how okay this will be interesting tonight <laughs> it was really good though and I, and in in your de, i don't want to say in your defense but ronley picked a lot of deep cuts for blues songs like yeah, you, and you, i'm not even familiar enough to even know yeah. so it's like okay i, I mean you can do that like one. the blues yeah but ronley really likes the blues yeah. and so he's picking stuff that a lot of people might not have ever heard before well he picked some i want it's not obscure because i really don't know but he, some stuff that surprised me like chameleon by uh i love Herbie it hancock I'm yep like, i didn't consider blues i'm like sure why not i thought yeah but you know we, we do it and it's a blast oh yeah we played that one in pet band in high school yeah i freaking love that song yeah yeah i remember it's, when i heard him play and i was just like oh my god i know the song <laughs> it's, it's been like i was telling him it's like gosh you know I, I feel like i'm leaving you letting you guys down you know it's like it's just knowing where you're going in a song what's coming up next and being confident you know you know what's coming up next and exactly where, because then you can play to that you can build you can play to it and know the change uh my point is some of that stuff is like okay let's, let's just go twice so it's like oh yeah we're here and then you, it's almost like a surprise mm -hmm. and so it's not as smooth as it should be mm -hmm. uh, you know i would have done that feel differently had i known okay yeah we were going there mm -hmm. you know but th that's what's going to come i mean with time and, and playing it more and more and it's like okay that's the way we do that song i know what's coming you know the plane it just gets better and better yeah i mean that ties and back. every musician knows that that ties back to what we were talking about first first off is there's just, there's so many different styles of drumming yeah. i mean like when you're first learning the drums it's just like rock beat four four you know you know you know kick snare kick snare hi-hat in between Basic you know stuff. you know little simple tom fill and then you go yeah. to the ride and it's the same thing around the ride yeah. now and so like but once you start getting any deeper into it than that it's yeah, it changes drastically. And I think that some of those those drummers that I saw, they weren't doing the rock stuff that I'd always been listened to. I was mm -hmm. like, wow, man, that just that's crazy. You know, he's he's doing the stuff and so much more open and different. And it's not just the basic stuff. So, and this was a long time ago, but it's like, okay, this opened my mind. I need to really listen to something more than Rush. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that was a long time ago. But and playing on the fly is not always easy though either, because it it takes a little bit of practice and warming up to right. get used to kind of just kind of going with the flow and i'm not an ad-lib person either i and I, people it, it scares me once it's like okay drum solo it's like uh oh shit no i i need i need some time to think it through and think what i want to do you mm -hmm. know, and come up with some you call it rehearsed uh, drum solo that's fine it's like no that's better when it's spontaneous yeah i don't know not for me yeah at least so i'm maybe way comfortable with stuff and like okay i've thought about it a little bit at least on my own what I'm throwing into that there. What am I going to do? But yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, I used to be just like that. I had to know what we were playing, when we were playing it. Everything had to be cut and dry. And now I almost think I like playing on the fly more because it's just like well, I'm going to add a solo in between this verse and that verse right. and over here. And you know, uh, I'm just trying to think of like a random song that's just like you could just uh, take forever. You know, uh, Marshall Tucker Band. Can't you see? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like well that that's a nine minute song now thank you like you yeah. <laughs> just soak up some time with a whole pile of solo bass, yeah, bass solo yep and that's <laughs> kind of what we were doing you know with, with some of those songs but uh oh shoot where i was gonna go um no what were you just talking about uh playing off the cuff people telling you when to play the difference oh yeah well yeah i, I guess i guess that's what i'm kind of excited about is just uh not being so so rigid uh you know with the way the song and there's just more um room for expression and, and playing me uh, i guess part of it is i have to get used to that mm -hmm. 
because that's been my drumming up until now. Yeah. I Especially mean, with the blues band. It's like, I've got to get this out of my mind that, okay, we're doing this song, so I've got to record it. Okay, that's kind of how it goes. It's like, okay, that's fine. Just take take the essentials out of that. What's the groove? What's, what's kind of the main, the, the beat, the, you know, the feel there? Uh, where are the changes, you know, the major stuff like that? Take that, learn that, and then and you you play it. All right. You know, don't emulate the recording. Yeah. And that's that's what I've had so ingrained in my mind forever with everything I've done. I, I'm still trying to honestly kind of break break from that. <laughs> break from that with those guys to just loosen up. Oh, I know what I was gonna say. Long loosen up. You know, it's like I never used to drink when I played mm -hmm. beer. One with sausage jack. I get such a rush of just playing and live performance. Yeah, you know, it, it slows me down, mm -hmm. which is depressing. But I also had, you know, the lights. It's too much to think about. Mm -hmm. But for the first time, you know, playing with Ronley, it's like, all right, I'm just going to have a beer and loosen up and taking a little bit of the edge off playing music like that, mm -hmm. where it is more off the cuff or this and that. It almost kind of helps you. Yeah. Loosens you up. And it's like, like you don't care. And you just play more from from the soul. You know, after you've had a beer or two. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I did that and tried that, and it was all right. Yeah, I mean. I just, I just can't do too much, you know, as a, <laughs> as a drummer. But Yeah, I mean, in other words, you know, you'll, you'll sweat it out get, in 20 minutes and have a hangover. Yeah. <laughs> get, I don't want to get, you know, sloppy and, okay. You know, but, so here's a concept I want to spin past you then, because we, we got about an hour in here anyways. But, like, uh, so we're talking... You're playing to the recording, all right, so if you're going to play an emulator recording, every part for the drums has a build-up that leads to a switch. And as a guitarist, when I would play with those kind of bands, I would always, even if I got lost when where we were at and I was on autopilot, I'd be like, oh, there's a, a drum cue that we're supposed to switch to the next part. Right. But if you're playing jam stuff, and it's, you don't necessarily know... 100% if no. the next part's coming or if you're just going to keep soloing. So do, do you feel like that takes some and, and tools that, out of your toolbox well, that's, then? Well, that's kind of my point. It's like, so I'm not playing as confidently in knowing where I'm going on the road because I really don't know what's coming up next. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, I probably could be playing a lot better if I knew he's going to be switching here or this is this what's coming, this one. And you can build to that and play to that and, and fill into that, you know, and do a whole measure, two measure, whatever. Mm -hmm. and, and get those changes in there and it totally flows with the song but if you don't know exactly when or where it makes it a lot more difficult yeah i mean because there's or, some or parts possible you know to do some stuff because you don't know what's coming next yeah i mean there's some stuff where it's like well here's a guitar fill i'll match my drum fill to meet this guitar fill because mm -hmm. it's leading to the next part you so know there's a lot there's a lot of music you know songs out there that that are like that mm -hmm. and yeah you can't you can't do that at a jam yeah. night really you know, but but when you but do that's, it, that's what makes it what it is. I guess. Yeah, but it's fun when you but, do though, because it's just like holy cow, that was dude. We were in on the, like the same way, like in we the moment. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Oh man, that's fun. So and I, so you hope those moments happen all the time, but you know. They, yeah, they, they don't. Not every <laughs> not every song is a winner at jam night. Unfortunately, <laughs> sometimes that moment goes the other way, and it's like, ooh, that was bad. Don't yeah, we no one noticed that. One. Yeah, we weren't on the same page there. My yeah. bad. <laughs> There's so many times at those types of shows where I just I just laugh because it's like, ah, well, yeah, shit the bed on that well, one. And that's another thing too. I'm so damn hard on myself. At times, I just need to say, you know what? How are that? No one probably even caught that. Maybe they did. You know. It happens. Yep. And just move on. Mm -hmm. Not let it bother me, but... Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that is... 
That's that honestly feels like a good place to leave this because that's a life lesson too. That's not yeah. just a music lesson. Yeah. And uh, I you feel like we, we could all learn from that. Pick it up and move on. It's not going to do you a damn bit of good warning about it. No, it's not. In fact, the nights I've been playing and, and start thinking about my mistakes, it, it just goes downhill. Yeah. Yeah. Forget it. Move on. There's not a damn thing you can do about what just happened. Yep. So. Yep. Especially, like, I remember there's one, some of those times where it's like, I made a mistake here. The next time around, I can't make that mistake. Right. So you don't make that one, but then you mess something up later because yeah. you spent so much time there. keyed in on the one spot. Stewing on what you just did and just <laughs> screw up that you just screwed something else up. Yeah, exactly. You, you know. Yep. You got to yeah. let it go. Yeah. Got to let it go. Well, I feel like we've talked That's about fun. a lot of the stuff that I kind of had written down. Is there anything we didn't cover that you do want to cover? All right. All right. Awesome. You. If you heard that, that was uh, my old man came in and, and talked to us for a little bit. But uh, I feel like we talked about pretty much everything we talked we needed to. Like you're in Ronley's band right now. You're in Kirkheart, and uh, Saucy Jack is either. I think the, I think you were guys were gonna do your last we show. We on hiatus. Yeah. Uh, it was the Supposedly last, the last show. show. We 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 we're leaving. Room. You know, maybe there'll be a reunion show someday. I, I bet there know. will be. I hope so. I, I I honestly, when I cruise through your Facebook, that's what I like saw in the comments a lot on a lot of the posts. Is like reunion tour. Yeah. Like it's just like that's awesome. People <laughs> or, want Saucy Jack yeah. back already. Or like you know, Stacy Jim, they thought you know, well, if we ever get a call, you know, to open up a you know for a big show again, it's like hell yeah, we'll all get together. And uh, do it. Yeah, but it's like well, Jim, you know, it's like. uh if we're not playing regularly, those are probably going to start to drop off. But well, never know. Whatever, I'd, I'd still ride the wave while you can. Oh, you know, so yeah. I mean, we're we're all still here and would would do it. But. Yeah, well, at least you're keeping your chops up. Got a couple new bands to try yeah. out. Two different styles and varieties compared to what you're used to. So yeah, that's, never thought I'd be in a country band here. Yeah, me either. More rock country. Yeah. I wasn't a big country fan, but the the newer country stuff. Yeah, some of it's pretty rocking. It's pretty rocking. Yep. Some of the you know stuff we have picked out that we're doing is like all right. I can hang with that. That's awesome. And Scott knows his country. He knows all the different yeah. varieties, so he'll he'll pick the stuff. You know, yeah. I mean, he'll he'll be good at it. So it's it's coming along. Yep. Is there anything else we uh, we should have talked about? Let's see. I got boy, I don't know. Everything on the list is is checked off. So yeah, That's more we're probably good. Then. All right, we're gonna save it for next time if we find anything. So uh, Andy, good. I really appreciate you dropping by. I'll drop links that I can find available for the bands in the description for everybody. Okay. Anything else you want to say before we're gone? I just appreciate you having me on. Oh. I, f- I feel like a privileged person here. Oh, Thank you very much. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. Thanks, man. Yeah, you bet. Thank you. Oh, another good one. I think one of my favorite things about meeting people for the first time on the podcast is they're pretty much all amazing people. Uh, it's it's really kind of nerve-wracking meeting people for the first time and interviewing them. But I think it's also kind of fun because it's like a fresh slate, you know? I don't have to... Act, I don't have to get like sit down with the people and say, okay, act like nobody knows this, even though you and I both know all of this information. It's it's a fresh start. I got to get a good story out of Andy, and we found some topics that we vibed on and talked about and uh, both gave our opinions on, and that's one of my favorite things about this podcast is we kind of talk about who's on it, what their style is, and things like that, and how it's different from other people's style. And, you know, Andy's no different. He incorporates the electronic drums with the acoustic drums and uh, does some really cool stuff with triggering and uh, setting up backing tracks and things like that. And we both understand that's not for everybody. And we both understand that not doesn't fit the mold for every band or every genre of music. But for what he's doing, it was 
it's it's perfect. He knows he knows what he's doing, and he's he's doing what he wants to do. And I feel like that is that's really cool. He's he's really you know like stretching the limits of what just an acoustic drum set can do, and working on it and making it work with uh, an electric drum set incorporated into it. So that's really really cool. And uh, you know that's been one of my favorite things about music is. Yes, I play guitar, but you know, what happens when I plug these things in? What happens when one of those goes over here? What happens if I do a, a stereo setup or a bi-amp setup or et cetera, et cetera? So I get to think about all these different scenarios and, and I'm not playing any of those large weird setups at shows, but Andy was doing that. He was he was trying all this crazy stuff out at home and prepping for all these shows. Because that's the thing, like we said on the podcast, he's he's doing all the recordings for all these backing tracks himself and like making all the key parts and MIDI parts and transferring them over and he knows when to trigger them to put them in the right spots and things like that it's it's crazy that you know you think about all the time that people spend playing music and, and a lot of people just think it's all on stage but in all actuality there's people like Andy that are out there that are spending a lot of time at home working on this and perfecting it before they even get to the stage not to mention those 12 hour days we were talking about so uh, hats off to Andy Shelley being a crazy busy drummer, uh, playing with one of the best known bands that's out there in the cover band scene uh, for the last, you know, f- 10, 15, 20 years. I, I think he's been playing with them since around 2008, if I'm not mistaken. I'm sorry if I got that figure wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's that's fairly close to correct. So, like like we said, he's he's opened up for a lot of cool bands and has had a, you know, he knows. He knows what he wants out of his music, and he knows what he wants out of his setup. And that was another cool thing to talk about, you know, setting up and tearing down and trying to make everything as easy as possible and convenient because those days can get long when you're there setting things up. So, um, yes, once again, hats off uh, to Andy Shelley. Uh, Taking the time out of his day to come visit me uh, to do a podcast with me. It never ceases to blow my mind that people are willing to do that. And uh, hats off to him. For taking, like I said, taking time out of his day, he didn't have to come over and and you know meet up with me and do a podcast, but he did. So I really do appreciate it. Thank you very much, Andy, for doing that. Uh, hats off to you. And uh, yeah, I just did go look up the figure. He's been drumming with Saucy Jack since 2008. Uh, if you haven't seen Saucy Jack, check him out. But you can catch Andy Shelley playing with the Ronley King Blues Band and Kirkhart. I've got some links down below for the Ron Lee King Blues Band. I don't think Kirkhart has any social media up yet because they have not played a show yet. But I know it's coming, and I know the show is going to be amazing. Scott kind of gave me some info on what he's looking for there, and I think he's got the right people for the job coming in and helping him out. If you guys are wondering about that band Kirkhart that Andy Shelley's going to be playing with, go back a few episodes to the Scott Kirkhart episode and check it out. He talks about it in there and sends some nice things about the entire band in there. Um, once again, all the links down below for Ron Lee King Blues Band. I'll even drop the links down below for Saucy Jack that I can find. I know they've got a Facebook. I know they at least had a website. Maybe they still do. I'll have to double check all that information. But check down below for all the links for everything uh, Andy Shelley's been involved with uh, over the last few years and everything he's going to be involved with for the years to come. So hats off to you, Andy. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you guys are looking for Audible Farm links, they're down below, too. They're way down at the bottom. AudibleFarm.com to find all the links to everything. There's also the Audible Farm shop. You can go shop.audiblefarm.com, find t-shirts. We're sold out of hoodies. I really need to work on getting some hats and some other things in. Uh, I really do want to work with uh, a couple companies to get some stuff taken care of for some more merch. But I still do have a lot of t-shirts left to sell. Well, not a lot. I'm running out of a lot of sizes on the 
the new style of shirts that I made with the various coloring schemes. I know that a lot of people were interested in those and I said they were going to be a short run and I've sold out of most of them. So uh, if you guys are looking for some of those, check the sizes available. Otherwise, we do have the original Audible Farm shirts. There uh, is pretty much every size available for those except for maybe 2X. I think I've sold out of the 2X, but I think I've got 3X. I think I have some 4X as well if somebody's looking for some 4X shirts. Um, otherwise, uh, there are keychains and stickers and things of that nature. I need to redo the uh, online shop and kind of update it and see what else I can put on there. But thank you to everyone that's made orders. Uh, I had a lot of people making orders uh, around the holiday time, so that was really kind of cool. So thank you everybody for doing that. If you're looking for the video version of this podcast, uh, the full video version is available on Patreon, and you can listen to it there and watch it there as well. So go to patreon.com. It's a dollar a month. I'm out of here for this week, everybody. Peace.